Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. So a couple days ago, I am online and I see this story about doctors slamming Canada's perverted new law for medical assistance in dying. Now, some of you are are very much in favor of our medical assistance in dying law. That's okay. You're allowed your opinion. It's not, what we're talking about today is not primarily the medical assistance in dying, I don't think, for those who have terminal cancer who are days or weeks away from certain death. We're talking about the expansion of this because Canada now, and I didn't even realize this, Canada now apparently is the number one country in the world for having doctors kill patients at their request. But number one, there's no other country that does it as much as us. In 2021, we had over 10,000 people die by this, which was a massive rise, 32.4% increase from the year before. And the real concern here is not just that this is growing. The concern is why it's growing. The concern is because... A, it seems as though an awful lot of people, now that it doesn't have to be for a present and, you know, like an illness that is about to kill you, it doesn't have to be something that is looming if you just have a long-term condition or suffering or whatever, anything. But now we're ex- going to about to expand it to have mental health issues. And a lot of people are saying, wait a second, this is, this is ridiculous. How, how, how possibly can we be looking at this situation and say, we're resolving our problems when... We're just having people with mental health issues, which could potentially be cured, which would then make someone not want to kill themselves. Do this. Uh, Even the Toronto Star this week wrote a piece. There was a column in the Toronto Star under the headline, Canada is now number one in the world in terms of made. We should think twice before expanding it. I want to bring in Trudeau Lemons. He is a professor of the, uh, and the school chair in health law and policy at the University of Toronto who joins us now. Thank you for doing this today. Very much appreciate it. My pleasure, Ben. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, you're more than welcome. I, I was first of all, I was surprised to find out that we were number one in the world in this. But there are parts of this story that become more and more troubling. I think, and I know that you've been someone who has equally been troubled by. I don't know if you were troubled by where it started, but certainly by where it's going. I would say, particularly where it's going uh, and how rapidly. It has been expanding uh, and how normalized it has become uh, as a means to end suffering of people who are not uh, close to their natural death. So people who otherwise would live, uh, who are now being offered um, medical assistance and dying as if if it's some kind of uh, inherently beneficial practice. While we have to realize that it means the end of their people's existence, so yes, suffering is is radically resolved. No people are, but people are dead. So uh, everything that comes with that is is there as well. The, the there was a uh, in this Toronto Star uh, piece, this Toronto Star column about it this week. There was there are a couple things I want to raise with you because there were a couple things that leapt off the page at me that were striking. One of them, uh, let me just read this two paragraphs. Ontario psychiatrist Dr. John Mahar told a joint Senate House of Commons committee studying made that some of his patients are now refusing treatment to make themselves eligible <clears throat> for made. That that is okay. So if we're now at the point when it, we've made it so easy that all you have to do is refuse some treatment, that seems to be 
losing the point of the whole thing, is it not? We're, we're, aren't we supposed to be helping you? And then if this is, if all else fails and you are just about to die and the suffering is too great, you have this option as opposed to saying, well, this is just another option. Yes, yeah, so Dr. Mayer's statement obviously reflects the deep uh, uh, anguish that people, particularly working in the mental health field, feel, but also people who are dealing as physicians on a daily basis with people who are living with uh, disabilities, um, who are struggling with poverty, with, um, <clears throat> with suffering associated with uh, intersections between poverty and, and, and medical conditions. So the anguish that they feel that people are now uh, able and actually indirectly, you know, send the message by by the fact that we adopted this law that uh, ending their suffering through medical assistance and dying is an appropriate thing to do. And so um, uh, and and actually also that we had indeed in our laws even have uh, no explicit requirement which exists in the in the very few countries that actually have a have a, a liberal uh, medical assistance in dying or euthanasia regime as we have so for example Belgium and Netherlands so so in these other countries at least uh, physicians have to agree that there are no other op non medical options left to address uh, their suffering and we don't have that in the law and uh, you could say, well, that's people's choice, so that will be often the response. Yeah, people are suffering, so they should be able to choose. Uh, and I, I listened to the podcast also that was um, uh, added to the uh, Toronto Star article. Um, and Minister Lametti makes constantly references to how oh, people are suffering. People are suffering. We they need MAID. They need access to MAID. But it it, it ignores the very complex context in which people uh, have, a, have a desire to die, the very complex medical, social context in which they are thinking about ending their life because they don't see any solution to suffering that they're confronted with. So I, I, I'm actually, I, I've listened to the podcast, I read the Toronto Star article, but particularly listening to the podcast and hearing the justification of, uh, of Minister Lametti uh, where he defends the law and, and constantly emphasizes the need for access to MAID rather than the need to protect against premature death, I find very, uh, very uh, troubling and very upsetting. And so I, I, I'm not a practicing physician, but I already feel, so I feel the moral anguish hearing that and hearing that emphasis and seeing the stories coming out. So imagine if you're a doctor and you're confronted with a patient and you know that there are treatments out there but the patient refuses them for whatever reason of despair or anxiety that they have about the treatment. Uh, but they they insist that they want to have medical assistance and die. So I think this is a very troubling, a very troubling development. Uh, it, it's a, it's a perversion of what originally was intended with with um, with the medical assistance and dying law, which. Um, uh, you know, we, as you know, we, we had to introduce because the Supreme Court declared that there had to be, in some circumstances, access to this, you know. Mm. But, but I mean, what, with what you're saying, um, there are many people, I, I understand that this is complicated, but there mm. are many, many people who suffer from depression who, with treatment, can become better. 
Not all. I understand there are some cases that are very unique, but there are many people who, if they were suffering from depression with medicine, with other things, could be better. And if those people who are in the pit of depression, who may want to end their life, were given the treatment, they may not any longer want to end their life. Yet, rather than saying what we have to do is bolster those treatments to help people get out of that despair... We're saying, let's expand the opportunity to kill yourself while you're in that despair. That seems just totally wrong. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a serious uh, problem. I mean, we, we will introduce that by March 23, and people are asking for a pause. So this was also part of the article, and the journalist actually uh, uh, appropriately asked, Altia Ray appropriately asked David Lametti, Minister Lametti, so... Why are we not pausing this and looking at increasing our services first? And he keeps saying, "Oh, we 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 need to have to give access because people are suffering." And and at the same time, yes, we, we can we can improve uh, access to care over time. I think it's it's putting the cart before the horse. You know, we we uh, it ignores the fact that. Um, Offering this this option out actually undermines our ability to provide the appropriate care, and particularly in the context of mental health, it really undermines also the uh, the resilience that people may feel when when they know that there are options out there, and uh, and uh, and uh, and they and they um, and they there is no quick solution. I mean, many instances of suffering. It yes, it it takes time. Uh, it takes time to find uh, to find an appropriate solution, but we 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 need to create a space to en- to enable that that solution and, and 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 not start offering medical assistance and dying even when treatment options are available. So you you mentioned the issue of of depression. Uh, um, uh, I would say that's a that's a key example, but but there are other situations as well. And I think about. A person who has a, a catastrophic uh, accident and it becomes paraplegic, uh, where um, you know the, being faced with that often leads to depression, leads to mental health issues. But over time, uh, the statistics show that you know people do get better. The, you, you're, you're saying some people will get better. People who suffer from depression. The majority of people actually will get better with good care. Uh, we simply we can't even say who will not get better. They say generally with good care, with good options, people get better, and that's the message that we should emphasize, and that's the message that we we should be sending patients and and not this idea that there is a is a quick solution for medical system dying um, without without um, you know without uh, actually even without providing the services that that that, that are that are currently lacking in our system. We have heard in recent months an example, uh, Global News, I know, reported this first, an example of a, of a veteran who uh, someone just out of the blue said you might want to consider medical assistance in dying. Uh, the, the, the Toronto Star piece starts with an example of a 55-year-old who couldn't find affordable housing and he was thinking he was going to become homeless, so he applied for medical assistance in dying, and he found a doctor who was willing to sign off on that one. It, it seems as though, again, um, th- the idea that this is... We've broadened it so much that rather than trying to solve the problems, it seems like the easy way here is, well, if things are too hard, 
Here's an option for you. As opposed to saying, listen, our, our job as a society is to try to make things better and make it so it's not so hard. And yes, it's not always going to be easy, but th- th- this just seems like, I hate to, to be so glib, but it seems like we're offering what even the government is now saying, hey, it's your easy way out. Yes. Yeah, so, and I, I would say that, so Justice Minister Lametti explicitly states in the article and in the podcast that, um, uh, I mean, he equates it with, uh, we, People, people can commit suicide. So for people who have trouble having access to suicide because they, because they are physically incapable or even mentioned maybe, you know, uh, mental inhibit in, in a mental hindrance in, in, in getting to, uh, ending your life by suicide should be. So, so he's suggesting it as, it as if the state offers them a way out because for those people who are not able to do it themselves. A compassionate, well, a compassionate thing the state and, is doing and, by and killing compassion, you. I, I would call it a compassionate, state-supported, state-funded, a medical system-provided suicide. Well, that was not what the Supreme Court was saying in the Carter decision, but we're at the system now where we're basically saying, um, you know, the state and the medical system are there to... Um, to offer uh, ending of life of a, as a as a form of therapy for life's life suffering, and that's really really troubling. That's really uh, I think reckless. Um, and the problem is also that in the Canadian system again, we don't even require that uh, if treatment options are available, that doctors actually have to insist that these treatment options are being tried first. And the second thing, and I mean, you mentioned there. Uh, the fact that uh, the, the case of the veteran who was offered uh, medical assistance in dying. Uh, deeply troubling is also that the Canadian Association of Maid Assessors and Providers, who has been funded by the government to organize uh, educational sessions for physicians and nurses um, with respect to how to provide, how to assess a request for medical assistance in dying and how to provide it, uh, explicitly states that as part of an informed consent procedure, uh, made assessors and providers or physicians basically uh, should put made on the table should should put ending of life on the table for ed- any person who might qualify now if you look at how broad the, quali- the, the 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 access criteria are now so it will include as of march 23 uh, people suffering from mental illness imagine what that concretely means it means that a person who suffers from severe depression or schizophrenia and and or another mental condition or PTSD goes to see a, a consultant because they suffer and they and and they arguably could could be perceived to suffer intolerably and they really struggle with it and they go and see a therapist and the therapist starts talking about about what they have as treatment options and they would say well we can have psychotherapy we can have cognitive behavioral therapy we can we have medication and we have ending your life i would say that's from a medical perspective and a, and a, not, not just a societal perspective in general but also from a, from a medical perspective in you know inconceivable i mean it's 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 stunning that we as a as a society would would, would normalize that and and that the government basically funds an organization that is putting that on the table and that the colleges are, uh, the, the, the the college of physicians and surgeons uh, is currently also designing a new um, a new policy on on made and a new policy on providing access which seems and I 
I say here seems because there is some interpretation possible, but which seems to suggest that if a physician is confronted with a request for made, even when, when the physician thinks that this patient should not qualify because there are so many other treatment options left, that they have a, would have an obligation to make sure that the, that the patient get, get, gets referred to a uh, to a physician who is willing to end their lives which is which uh, I, if you think yeah. about that for a second so a physician comes upon someone on the sidewalk who's just had a heart attack mm-hmm. and the person is lying there needing CPR but the physician believes you know this person probably is old or maybe they're disabled they probably won't have a good quality of life i am therefore making a decision that i'm not going to give you CPR because the physician like it, the the whole the thinking of it, it's just, it's bizarre thinking. And and to go back to your point, I just want to throw this because Justice Minister David Lametti, and you've talked about this a couple times, how he has suggested. Well, one of the things is some people can't kill themselves for whatever reason, so we have to offer them that in the event that they can't. Well, what about anything else? So if you can't kill yourself because you're not able to for some reason, what if you are a drug addict and you can't get drugs? Should we be then giving you free drugs? Or if you're an alcoholic, should we be, we can't get it. I'm, I'm, I'm disabled. I'm a quadriplegic. I can't get out of the house, but I'm an alcoholic. You have to provide me. We would never do that because we would say that would be harming you. And yet here killing, telling you, well, physician assisted suicide, that would be the ultimate harm. But we say that's a good idea. I don't, I just don't get it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I would say you the, the example of um, of drugs and alcohol is maybe not the best one because okay. I I think you can you can certainly make an argument that for example when we when we are faced this is also the interesting contradiction to our system now so when when we're faced with with the opioid crisis and with serious problems of uh, of unsafe drugs and I'm sure and I hope that Minister Lametti would agree with me that we then have to make sure that uh, people are are uh, appropriately provided access to care, which may include actually safe supply of um, of, of drugs to save their lives, because the, the focus clearly in the opioid crisis is also to save people's lives. Now, if a person has a serious addiction and now goes to a physician and says, well, I have a serious addiction problem, but I want to have made, we would say, well, no, no, the focus should no longer be on saving their lives because they want to die. So let's provide medical assistance and dying. So there is, I would say there is an inherent contradiction in how we have a, you know, an appropriate uh, emphasis on we need to save lives. The opioid crisis is deeply problematic. We need to save people. And we're organizing a system of medical assistance and dying, which is uh, increasingly offering that to people who ask for it explicitly. They stated in interviews they state that they actually would prefer to live, but they can't cope anymore because they have a, a significant disability, live in poverty, don't have access to the services they need. I think it's 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 deeply immoral. It's deeply troubling, um, and you know, I, I I anyway, I as you as you can as you can hear, I'm I'm morally troubled because I just listened also to the podcast, and when I mm. when I hear the arguments about, oh, we shouldn't pause the expansion of MAID because people are suffering and, and people need access to it. Uh, yes, we have to address social services, but in the meantime, we have to provide MAID. It ignores so fundamentally 
the the the, the social context in which this all happens. Just, so, just before yeah, I yeah. let you go, uh, one more thing. Um, does this not inevitably lead to there? There are still two groups of people that are not eligible for this, um, but does it not lead to the inevitable conclusion that at some point, why should a 12-year-old child who is dying from cancer or has depression, severe depression, why should they be forced to suffer if an adult doesn't? It seems to me the inevitable next step would be to allow children to have this, which would be unbelievably troubling. But beyond that, what about somebody who is severely disabled, who's unable to give voice to their opinions, so their caregiver is then the one who has to decide for them. Because if I've, if I've got a severe disability, I may, in the government's eyes, not want to live with this, but I can't tell you that, so the person who's responsible for me might make... And now, we're, now we have legitimately moved into euthanasia, which I don't think is that far a step from where we are now. No, but just to clarify, euthanasia is actually what we're providing. I mean, people don't like the term in Canada because we introduced medical assistance in dying, but sure, we're okay. doing exactly the same what Belgium and Netherlands is doing, which is, but but you're 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 probably suggesting where we would go to involuntary. In, that's or, a, that's or, what or I mean. Yes, that's yes. what I mean. And so, we don't seem like we're so that far away. I, I would say it's not on the table. For example, now with the parliamentary commission, which is looking into this, but. Uh, I, I hear you. I mean, the argument that is being put forward again in the, in the interview and in the podcast is, is people are suffering. There is, needs to be a solution and made is a solution. Well, if we say that about indeed about people who, who are uh, able to consent, uh, why wouldn't it be the case then for people who are, are, are not in a position to really consent? So um, will it go to children, 12 year old again? I don't think this is on the table yet, but we're talking for sure already in the committee. But uh, mental health, mental, sorry to interrupt, but mental health five years ago was not on the table. In fact, yeah, we were, yeah, to, yeah, we yeah, were yeah, told yeah. specifically that would never happen yeah. Yeah, and so, within so, five years. Yeah, so uh, mature minors, I think, is, is being, is, uh, I fear, will be pushed by the Parliamentary Commission as a, as a thing that uh, should be legalized because... People will say, "Well, there is an extension, so it may not be a twelve-year-old." But uh, in the interview, David, Justice Minister Lametti, was talking about the Quebec Civil Code, which allows treatment decisions as of fourteen years old. He wasn't saying he thought that it had to be available; it may have to be available as of fourteen years old. But but he raised at least the possibility that this is to be debated. So mm. you can see a situation where we will have sixteen, seventeen-year-old. Uh, 18 year old and I would say even young adults you know uh, in my view is troubling where they will suffer from um, uh, you know depression uh, anxiety uh, they're you know they're, they're, they're psychologically still developing uh, they think there is no future for them and they will apply for medical assistance and dying so how will we, will we deal with that as a society mm. we- I fear that we will that it will take some really dramatic cases that are close to home of some of our decision makers where they see family members, young family members, um, uh, having their life ended in that system before there is a real wake up call. And, uh, I mean, I hope, I hope we can, we can, we wake up earlier, but I, I fear when I hear the, 
the strong emphasis on, oh, there is suffering that has to be solved absolutely now by medical assistance and dying, even while we know that there are long wait times for mental health services, there are months or years of wait times for for various specialized services, including mental health services. We, we have uh, to we have to run, unfortunately. I, I will, I'm not a betting man. I, I don't bet on anything, but I would almost bet five dollars right now sadly that um we will see a 10 or 12 year old be given the right to do this within a few years i just the, the way it's been going with the rapid expansion it to me it seems inevitable but i hope you're right not me uh trudeau lemons are from the university of toronto the professor and school chair in health law and policy thank you so much for this today my pleasure thanks for having me over and thanks for talking about this uh, very difficult subject the Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.